Are you ready to challenge the rhetoric? Today is Wednesday, May 25th. My name is Sherry Roberts, and I'm your host on Challenging the Rhetoric. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. It's been a really crazy week for the so-called Bundy Patriots, uh, both in Oregon and in Nevada. There were a lot of comical things that went down with Clive and Bundy's legal team. Not comical for him, but comical uh, for the general public. Uh, there's a lot less supporters to this so-called righteous cause they have than, than I think even they believe or, or think. Uh, anyways, but I, I kind of prefer to get into some more of the good stuff that happened with Clive and Bundy. And, you know, here's the deal. Like this little fact that Clive and Bundy's defense lawyer, Joel Hansen, tried to get the Koch brothers to help cover the Bundy's legal bills, their fees. Uh, that's according to an email that was found in a bundle received by Oregon Public Broadcasting, or OPB, uh, if you're on Twitter, through uh, public records, a FOIA request. And, and if you're listening, I don't care what side of anything you're on. FOIA is your friend if you know how to work it. FOIA is a little difficult. Um, I know a couple people that are like FOIA ninjas that I might bring on the show at some point down the line to teach people how to do FOIAs. Uh, it's a very interesting process. It's not super cut and dry. You have to be quite intricate. But anyway, so this bundle of emails within it, um, you know, Joel Hansen is asking Ken Ivory, who's a a Utah lawmaker, um, about getting the Koch brothers to pay for the legal fees for, you know, for the Nevada trial. And I don't know if that also encompassed anything to do with anybody outside of Cliven himself uh, and the Oregon case, but there's that. Now, it, it... I said the here's the deal. The the Koch brothers, they are um I've taught I've spoken about them before because, you know, several weeks ago we were talking about Shiloh Ryder, Molly Ben Powell and uh the things that she did and the implications that, that she made uh and all of that and then, you know, come to find out she, she works for the Koch brothers, you know, and so then in the learning and the investigation of that, we found that some people within a little organization called the Liberty Bells, that many of them, if not work for the Koch brothers, for Americans for Prosperity, they're volunteers for the Koch brothers. And so one of the things that I've pointed out many times on the show, uh, long before uh, Mark McConnell started coming on and joining me each week, is that there are all these seeds of different kinds of people involved with what went down at the Oregon standoff as well as at the Bundy Ranch uh, Bunkerville standoff. And they're not all one one team, one organization, one anything. These are just very randomly different people that somehow smashed themselves together. And we're seeing some of those implications or the, the, the repercussions of that now. Finally, we're seeing that. So it's one of those things like, I told you so, because that's important to me because I know some people thought I was a little nuts when I was talking about the, the very real differences between people like, as I always say, John Ritzheimer and Ammon Bundy. So I want to know what's going to happen with the further emails as they get into them over at OPB, if they're going to be able to extract any more information from the batch they got, if they're going to be able to uh, do records requests for anything further, it'd be great if they could get uh, Ivory's 
personal emails. And here's why. Because in uh, many of the emails in the batch that they received, uh, there's references either from Ivory himself or from people that are emailing him uh, asking specifically about communicating on his private email off of the, the government record there. And when people do stuff like that, um, there's always something nefarious there. There just is. And it, it maybe maybe it's something that has nothing to do with the Bundys and all of this stuff. But when you want to stop talking to somebody on your government-issued equipment and time uh, in a private realm while you're still – it's still in that government capacity – then that's not transparency, and that's part of what got us to where we are right now. So um, the thing with the whole uh, Koch brother thing that is very interesting to me is that, uh, you know, not just that, but the whole Molly Dunn thing, you know, with, with, you know, being part of this movement and stuff. One of these people on Facebook, uh, the user named Shannon Albrecht, and I won't give you her other last name, but Shannon Albrecht, that's what she goes by publicly uh, on her show as well uh, uh, that she has on YouTube when she does something, which is rare. Uh, um, and then on, on on Facebook, she uses Shanthrax on uh, Twitter. She does have some sock puppets, and I bring her up specifically because she had a little bit of a meltdown on Facebook in the last few days over this particular email that I'm talking about that OPB got a hold of from the batch FOIA from Ivory's emails. And she's freaking out over the Koch brothers' influence and the money uh, that is, is a part of all of this. Now, there are other arms of the Koch brother organizations that are involved and have been involved at different times. Uh, and, of course, we won't know for some time, if ever, for how long, really, and how deep. But there has been enough out there in the public realm that has already proven that the, these ties, just like with cows, the Coalition of Western States. So the, Shannon Albrecht, she has been uh, not only for Adam Bundy's Oregon attorney, Mike Arnold, uh, but for people like Staff Sergeant Moe, uh, her and Deborah Venatucci, and Luana Elliott. And, and if these names ring bells to you, it's either because you're with them and a part of it, or you have been the victim of their handiwork. And if you don't know who they are, then you should, because if you have an interest in this case, this is an important story. This is an important dynamic. Now, these people and their friends, when they hear this, they might think that they're being attacked. That's not the case. Uh, when I bring the guest on, which is Mark McConnell again, we're going to talk a little bit deeper into what that dynamic really is, because it's extremely important. But Shannon Albrecht, before, before I keep moving on further, let this you know, kind of cogitate with you a little bit. She is one of the most aggressive and has been one of the most vile people that have participated in, and whether in official capacity for uh, the attorney for Ammon Bundy in Oregon, Mike Arnold, but at least in a non-official but public capacity. And she has participated in, on, in online harassment of people, she has participated in doxing of people. And I spoke about doxing with Mark last week, also on the special show I did last Monday with cyber, cyber, cybercrime forensic expert Frederick Lane. And um, doxing is not a fun thing. Neither is cyber, cyber stalking and, and, and being harassed online. And she has been a huge player in that. Now suddenly she's very upset to find out that the Koch brothers are a part of all of this because she hates them. For good reason. Most people, even conservatives, don't really like the Koch brothers, right? But 
Now she has this little mini meltdown. And then you got John Parker Jr. and others are like, well, it don't matter. They're going to save our patriots, and they've been involved for a long time. And this, that, and the other, yes, please, keep giving that information. Links, please. We love it. The feds love it too. But you can't sit there and do the things that someone like Shannon and so many others have done, and we're going to talk about them. And then all of a sudden say, oh, I don't support it. I'm out, quote, unquote, I'm out. Because what's going to happen, she's not going to be out. She's still going to be all into this. She's going to have that cognitive dissonance. She's going to just keep on keeping on, just like the people did when they freaked out like Spitfire, reading the thing and seeing that Molly was part of AFP and the Koch brothers, but then just kept on, kept on, you know, keeping on and with whatever that they did. Because that's how this works. Because we're talking about cult mentalities. We're talking about very real cult leaders and cult followers and and what that really means in this digital world that we live in now. It's very different. You can look up definitions of X, Y, and Z, but if they're not keeping up with the times, then those definitions are not always going to parlay into the reality. So we're going to talk more on that a little bit deeper. Um, You know, I would like people uh, like like Shannon and, and, and others that are coming to some very real realizations that they actually come forward and say more than I'm out and then keep playing the game. And, again, we're going to get deeper into that. So, again, that was really noteworthy on a lot of different levels, but I, uh, you know, one of the most important levels to talk about and to how with, the, you know, just the average Joe or the journalists and stuff, there are very real threats that are going out to judges and prosecutors and law enforcement. And, in Nevada, for the Nevada case, there was motions filed. There's been a whole lot of motions that have been filed uh, this past week particularly. And um, in the Nevada case, the defense is wanted to have the judge uh, removed uh, and replaced, uh, and they wanted to do a bunch of different things. Well, the problem is, is that that very judge uh, and, the, and the very prosecutors have received threats, and they've motioned also to have discovery unsealed uh, in lots of different ways they've motioned this, uh, not just this last week, but the week before and the week before. It's an ongoing uh, thing that they're trying to pull out. And in doing this, what has happened here is that more people are making these threats. Now, in the last few days, a lot of these people are like, oh, oh we can't talk about this now, socially. They're saying they can't talk about it on social media. They can't. We can't talk about this case on social media, on social media. Okay, but and they think having private groups and stuff like that is going to save them somehow now. Um, what I have been saying on the show over and over and over, and we're going to jump right into having Mark on after I give you the particulars here, is that everything that they've been doing all of these months uh, since the Oregon standoff has happened, and also, of course, since Bundy Ranch happened, um, I've hurt them, and it's going to continue to hurt them. So... That being said, let me give you all the details that you need for tonight's show. You uh, you can join us and interact on the Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash challengingtherhetoric.news and on Twitter at CTR Newsfeed. For tonight's show, we're using hashtag CTR, Oregon Standoff, Bundy Ranch, and Liberty Rising. Please don't forget Liberty Rising. That's an important hashtag to me. 
because that's their, one of their hashtags. Uh, all the stories I cover are available on the website at challengingtherhetoric.news. I did a couple articles specifically about Pete Santilli and some stuff we're going to talk about a little later in the show. Tonight is a two-hour show, by the way. Um, uh, those are on the website that you can check out. There's a lot of things on the website. And if you're new to the show, I highly encourage you to go and check out the website. There is so much there for you. Um, including Legislation Watch and Let Your Fingers Do the Walking there. So you can chat with us in the chat room. You can interact and ask questions of me or Mark, who's the guest again tonight. Uh, Mark McConnell, I'll tell you more about him if you don't know who he is yet. Um, or about the show in general or you know, maybe something we're not speaking on or haven't spoken on. The thing is, is you need to be respectful in the chat room, just like if I do any callers tonight, which I, I don't know that I will. I normally don't take callers. But if I have some massive influx of callers and you want to actually announce yourself and area code in the chat room and address that to Sue Shugart, who is my social media and chat room moderator, social media manager and chat room moderator, she'll make sure that, to bring that to my attention. Um, if you're listening to an archive show, obviously you can't call in, you can't participate in the chat room. So remember, this is a dialogue, it's not a debate, there's not going to be any personal attacks, aggression or trolling is going to be tolerated whatsoever. I will bounce you out of the chat room and if you think you're going to come in mass and like create a stir and create a problem, I pay for my time, not you, and I will just shut down the chat room because the listeners that are interested will keep on keeping on listening. So that being said, let's jump right into bringing on Mark McConnell. Uh, I kept him waiting a little bit longer than I normally do, but I had a lot to get out about the uh, whole... Nevada cases and the the threats and all of that. So, Mr. Mark McConnell, welcome back to Challenging the Rhetoric. Hi. How are you tonight, Sherry? Hey. I'm good. How are you? I am great. Can you tell it's a much more relaxed kind of show for me? <laughs> I'm going to kind of meander through well, this time with you. Yeah. Well, we've done a, we've done a few shows now, and we've gotten a lot more comfortable with each other, and picked up on, on how each other works and talks and their mannerisms and everything else. So it's a lot more comfortable now. Definitely. Um, I, I'm sure that many of the listeners can empathize with this, is that when Mark and I first started talking to each other before I ever brought him on the first show, this is show number five that Mark's been on. Um, not in a row. Uh, we did skip a little bit there. But um, Mark and I, it was kind of an equal thing. We were both very leery of one another. We had no idea <laughs> what either of us wanted from one another as far as what we were trying to accomplish. And so far, things are, you know, working out really well with you and I talking. I'm learning a lot from you. I think you're learning a lot from me about different things. And um, so the dynamic is working. The listeners keep wanting more. The story keeps uh, unfolding. So we're kind of at a weird crossroad where we, we, you and I together, it would be kind of weird if we stopped. Uh, even if we wanted to, which right now I don't think we do, but even if we wanted to, it would be weird for us to stop, don't you think? Yeah, in a lot of ways. Well, we just, <laughs> we, we've, like I said, we've, together, we have a dynamic. Um, you know, we're opposing on, on some things, but yet we still talk, uh, we still discuss. Um, so it's, it's an interesting dynamic. I, I'm enjoying it because I think that uh, having ha have had you on the show so many times now, a lot of the things that I was trying to explain to listeners and readers as the Oregon standoff situation was unfolding prior to the arrest and then after the arrest, 
was my different depths of involvement with many of these people and or organizations over the years. And because of some people kind of just starting to listen, you know, because of this particular story, and then those that had known and followed and listened for some time, there was a weird, uh, like a headbutting thing in their mind, like, whoa, 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 not sure what side they actually expected me to be on of this. And I think that in talking with you, Mark, and, and the stuff that you and I have, have done and starting to get to know each other and have some sort of trust going on, um, that you bring to the table more than you think because as we are discussing things, it allows me, without me interviewing myself per se, it allows me to go a little bit deeper into, you know, there were some questions on social media tonight about my ties to this and they were like, weren't you like closely aligned and, you know, da-da-da-da-da. But now in the conversations that many of them, this was someone new to listening to the show, but those that, that have been listening now, they're starting to understand more, and that's actually because of you and you and I being able to interact together. And I think the same thing is happening a little bit on your side. I think that you have some people that have listened to the show, uh, at least one or two that you've been on, and have maybe changed their mind about you, right? Yes, I've I've had a few people get a hold of me and say, you know, and tell me that specifically because they listen to the show, um, they've changed their their opinion or, you know, mindset about me because one of the beautiful things about your show is you allow me to to talk and to uh, get, you know, get my answers out, get my my message out without trying to pin me into a, a gotcha moment or, well, you just said this. No, this is what I actually said, you know. Um, so the, the, you know, it allows everything to flow better. And because of that, you know, people can actually hear who I am and what my stance has been on things. You know, you said something to me before we get into like all the rest of the show, cause we have, we have some, we have a lot of shit to talk about tonight simply because there's been so many emotions and things that have happened this week. It was like a rush Monday happened and like, boom, 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 boom. But you, you know, as the listeners know, because I said so last week, you and I have had lots of conversations on, you know, online and on the telephone uh, for almost two months now. And um, off air, conversations, getting to know what we're talking about with the story and what information you have, you know, what can I extract from you and give. And today you actually gave me something that mattered to me um, as the show's host and as me who I am, and that is that there are a lot of people that like to tag your name and things and ride off of this weird thing that happened because your name got pushed out there uh, during the, the arrest and after and, you know, after getting labeled the Fed and all of that. And you said to me, but, Sherry, you're different because you don't need me. Your show doesn't need me. I was already existing before you came along. And for a lot of the people that are new to hearing me because of this story, they don't know that. And so and so to me, whether it's important to them, to me, that really actually mattered to me. It was like the best thing you said to me since I've known you. <laughs> so thank <Okay>. you. <laughs> You're welcome. All right, so let's uh, go ahead. No, I'm done. All right, so let's go ahead and get into this. Um, there were There were all these different motions that happened that were filed in courts, uh, in both courts, Oregon and Nevada, and I simply cannot, as one person, keep up with every single motion. But there was a motion to have um, 
there was a request or there's a debate to have a judge removed. That's not going to happen. There, you know, there's motions for, I mean, Ryan, Ryan Bundy's all upset. He, he files something because he, they think that they're being mistreated in jail. Not, not, mis, not being mistreated for being in jail. They already think that. Everybody knows that. But the whole big old thing that they're, their, their human rights, their civil rights and all this is being infringed on in jail. My thing is, is you know, you're in jail, dude, okay? You're in jail. You're going to get a, a, a bendy pen. You're lucky to have a pen and not a pencil. You know, they get a nod, they get a, you know, a, a little lead. But the these motion after motion after motion, and really what's happening with all these motions is it's kind of that sovereign citizen mentality of being a paper terrorist holding things up, tying things up. These are the people that want a speedy trial, but just going on and on and on with the paperwork. And um, so was there a particular emotion or a particular thing that came out of the courts this week that, you know, kind of struck you? Well, one of the things that struck me was that uh, article that came out about, you know, how they're being treated in jail and their civil rights are being impaired and all that. You know, if, if they're sovereign citizens, how can you really sit there and say, well, you know, my rights are being violated? Well, you're a sovereign citizen. So how does that really work? You know, that's a question I really haven't been able to find an answer to. The other thing is, is you're in jail. Uh, certain things come with being in jail. <laughs> you think? <laughs> like what? Yeah, like, uh, I mean, I mean, I know, you know, but I mean, but let's let's state some of the obvious. I mean. Well, I mean, let's let's talk about the ridiculous first part of Ryan Bundy's whole uh, complaint that he filed is this: he, he doesn't have a Second Amendment right. Does he think they're going to allow him to have a a weapon in jail, a firearm? <laughs> I mean, really, right. seriously? Well, well, yeah, and, and he in that same one he filed something about I care which <clears throat> which amendment he cited, you know. But the FBI, you know, tried to tried to kill him. No, if they would have tried to kill you, they would have used live ammunition instead of basically giving you your own fireworks display and screwing you up with a food substance. You know, they didn't try to kill him. If they would have tried, I'm sure that they would have succeeded. The U.S. government doesn't, you know, they're not really lacking in the ability to kill somebody. <laughs> right. And and, and these, these are the very same people that even before uh, they they did anything really claimed that they were worried about a Waco situation and I'm talking about before the refuge when they thought they were going to be you know camping out on the Hammonds land before they were denied by them um, you know I mean there's no Waco there's no Ruby Ridge here that could have happened in a heartbeat there's nothing that they did that stopped that even even with Pete Santilli or anyone else rolling rolling tape live that's not going to stop that if that's what their intent was. Um, you know, so I, I just don't get that weird mania involved in that. Um, but you were there and you experienced some of it from people and you experienced the paranoia firsthand. Um, so since we're talking about, you know, that particular thing, can you address that a little bit from the, you know, firsthand perspective being at Melliard? Well, I mean, up there, there was a lot of, there was some paranoia, you know, there it was, you know, it was a different percentage, different, you know, on different days, depending on who was there. But there were guys up there that were, I mean, just constantly harping on, you know, this could turn into Waco, this could turn into Ruby Ridge, you know, and they had a, they had a heightened state of not even awareness 
but of paranoia. And it's like, okay, well, if you're so concerned about that, why are you here? You know, never really could get an answer to that one either. I mean, I never well, really, kind of like, to me, I never, go ahead. you know, I never thought about it in terms like that. I never, to me, I, it never was going to turn into a Waco or a Ruby Ridge, um, <clears throat> you know, unless somebody really did something stupid. You know, I never, to me, I, I don't, I don't look at the federal government and go, oh, they're, they're the boogeyman. I don't look at the federal government and go, oh, they're a bunch of Nazis. They're a bunch of, you know, jackboot thugs. I don't think any of that. That, that's that's really not my thing. I mean, I haul hazardous materials. I'm I'm in past DOT. I'm with all this stuff, and I have very very limited interaction with law enforcement on a yearly basis. You know, and okay. these people are just thinking that what they're just going to rush on in here with you know blood dripping from their fangs, and they're going to wipe everybody out. I mean, it just didn't make much sense. And then, I mean, tactically, the way that everything was set up up there and with a lot of the guys that were up there, and not to put down any of the guys that were there, you know, there again, a lot of those guys followed their hearts to be there, but there was very, very, very few experienced guys. You know, out of all, out of vets that were there, you could probably come on, count them on one hand. You know, so the paranoia really did drive people, you know, into some extent, because there was one guy that I, I was interacting with during that first week, you know, that he just, he was wound so tight that he literally kept putting his hand on his pistol. And I don't mean resting his hand on his pistol like you would be if he was standing, a, you know, in an aisle in a store and wanted to provide that little bit of extra security of weapon retention. No, I mean, actually putting his hand on the pistol, wrapping his hand around the pistol grip. You know, the second right. time he, well, the th- I think about the third time he did that, I looked at him. I said, listen, I'm going to tell you right now, you put your hand on that pistol one more time, I'll draw mine. Well, what do you mean? Uh, you keep putting your hand on that pistol like you're going to draw it. That's intent. I will never allow you to pull that pistol from that holster before I drop you right here. You know, and after the discussions, you know, along that line, that was actually one of the guys that left out of there that Thursday night. Right, right, right. So with with something that you said last week that parlays into the first half of what you just said, and um, so those tuning in this week, uh, and there's, there's a whole lot of people in the chat room, so if you're listening, please jump in the chat room. Uh, if you're on the Blog Talk radio page and you don't see the chat room, scroll down underneath the slider. If it's still not there, hit refresh, and it should be there. There's, there's, a, there's a whole bunch of people there. But you, you were talking about, when we talk about paranoia, Unless, unless you have some mental health issue or unless you have been quickly driven into that realm or you had some ongoing thing that, you know, and an ongoing issue with paranoia, the, the, the act of being paranoid in itself uh, kind of conveys that you're doing something wrong. <laughs> uh, you know, when you're talking about people worried about uh, is this one an informant? Is that one an informant? You know, from there on the inside and and out in burns and stuff like that. If if they're so worried about an informant, what do they have to hide? And and that that so so I think that it's easy to say that either they were doing something wrong and that's why they were paranoid, <laughs> or they weren't doing something wrong and they all have a mental health issue. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty black and white to me at this point. You know what I mean? Well, 
Yeah, I mean, we could take John Redheimer's uh, mosque protests in Phoenix. You know, the first one, anybody can Google can Google the images. There were guys that ran around there with long guns and with uh, plate carriers, body armor. Not one mention of a snitch. Why? Because these guys were peacefully protesting. Okay. Um, John's October rally. You know, I was at the October rally. I didn't make it to the I didn't make it to the first one. I was in Southern California, but the second one. We're all armed. Um, there was one or two guys there that did have long guns, but no worry about a snitch. Why? Because we were peacefully protesting. But Oregon, everybody's sitting there going, oh, you know, well, this guy's a snitch and that guy's a snitch. Well, what is it that people are snitching on if, in fact, this was nothing more than a peaceful protest or, as Michelle Fiore put it, a camping trip? I've been on a lot of damn camping trips, and I ain't never worried about somebody ratting me out for it. <laughs> right. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, there again, either either they are admitting that there was illegal things going on up there. Um, or they're just really paranoid. It's hard to say, you know, it's, it's, it's six of one, half a dozen of another. But it's yeah, like, it's, but, you know, I'm sitting here. Go ahead. You know, I'm sitting here looking at an article now because, as we know, you know, Danny Love was just, or Daniel Love was just, um, you know, promoted to a new BLM security division, you know, maintaining security for all these BLM uh, locations. And this one right. post I'm looking at here, it talks about, um, it starts, it says, this means Dan Love has the ability to pull any security people in those positions. He can murder anyone inside he wants. Really? Do you, I mean, do you think this man is in there going, son of a, I got my own desk. I've got business cards. I've got a monogram pen. Let me start making a hit list. Really? If that's what you think. Get help. Please, dear God, get, get help. I do not understand the rationale with so many of them that they 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 really feel that the whole world is watching them. I wish the whole world was watching them. I wish at least our whole country was watching them because this is very, very important what's happening, in my opinion. Uh, however, I, and for many reasons, as we've discussed and, and we'll continue to talk about, but hardly anybody's paying attention. Even right. fewer still of the supporters as time goes by and they have less and less money to give for all these donations and stuff. And so with Dan Love, um, has he been a controversial figure? Certainly. But I would challenge anybody out there, okay, I would challenge anybody out there starting with the, with the Red Buck inc- incident with Dan Love, okay, I would start there and I would challenge anyone out there to deny the fact that the very people that hate on this man are the ones that trained him and got him promoted to his new position. Because his new position right. – that he's taking over, him being the one to take over it, would not be necessary if they weren't doing what they're doing. Right? Correct. Well, like you and I talked in different in a different discussion. You know, for every any situation you're in, if you're if you're in a tantal situation, you have to have you should have at least eight projections from there. You know, if I'm in, you know, say I like stand at the refuge, my mind is sitting there going, Okay, what do I do if law enforcement does come in here? What do I do if we all get arrested? Now, what do we do, you know, what what happens if they just, you know, if we just all decide, 
screw it. It's Wednesday. We've had enough. We're going home. You know, you got to have all these different trains of thought about what if. You know, my rule of thumb is eight projections. You know, one of the projections I did have in my mind then was, okay, when this is all said and done, every one of these places now is going to have beefed up security, and somebody's going to have to be put in charge of that. And back in January, when I was standing in a refuge thinking about that, I thought to myself, well, who would be the biggest kick in the dick? Daniel Love. Sure as shit, there he is. Because everybody that, you know, it, it's, it's almost symbolic to put him in that position. Because he's been, you know, with all these BLM incidents, there's been Daniel Love. Well, put him in some place that these incidents created. It's symbolic. It's the almost the ultimate slap in the face. Truly, uh, truly the ultimate slap in the face. However, um, and and I do, and I agree with you completely on that. But I don't think that that lessens the fact of what I said, and that is that these very people and the situations that they have created are what absolutely trained him and showed and and, and sh- showed the BLM that they had a need for him to have this position. Um, Right. You know, to for for you know cause and reaction, right? I mean, you know, for every for there's a reaction to everything, and so we're kind of at this weird. Um, I don't even know the right term for it, but it's like a check, a check for checkmate situation in the sense of that everything that this side does is going to exacerbate the other, and everything the other side does is going to exacerbate the other, and it's a a never ending cycle. Because the people that are doing these things that, that are that are perpetuating all of this stuff are the very causes of all the things that they say they don't want. Okay. Just like they're talking about, you know, their one A right, their First Amendment right, free speech and assembly and all of that. Everything that they have done, everything that they the supporters and and, and all of that continue to do while they're while they're in jail and facing trial or out on pretrial release and and then in prison when that happens and all that all these things that these people do are going to be changing the NDAA it's going to be changing the Patriot Act it's going to be changing all of these things that they already hate to begin with and are they going to be changing them for the better hell no they're going to be changing them for the worse and that's a fact but they can't see it that's part of that whole cognitive dissonance. Right. So let's right. let's speaking of cognitive dissonance, let's get back to the the Cook brothers and cows. And um, we've talked a lot about cows uh, in in previous shows, and I don't think that we will be done talking about cows for some time. But you know, there are a lot of known names that are attached to cows. But one of the the more bigger mysteries here is all the varying entities that, that the Koch brothers have that are all about funding things to exacerbate these sorts of problems. And they have such warm, fuzzy little names to their organizations that they sound like, oh, my gosh, I'm an American. Of course I like this. Of course I stand for that. But we're talking about the Koch brothers who want to poison us with genetically modified food. We're talking about the Koch brothers who uh, have very inhumane. Uh, and you're you're an animal lover, Mark. You are a diehard animal lover. And you know we're talking about a, 
a, a conglomerate that that participates and, and, and funds very inhumane things when it comes to animals as well. And it's there's so many things that, that this company, that this entity, it's a, it's a true blue. I mean, they're at the top notch of when we talk about corporate anything, the Koch brothers. And so now this realization that, oh, my God, this money's flooding in, these people are involved, I don't support that. I don't support that at all. I mean, uh, you know, a month or so ago on at least two YouTubers' channels that were trying to, you know, harass me uh, were freaking out over the Koch brother things, but then they just happily moved on. As we're going to keep seeing these people do so, and that, that is cognitive dissonance and um, wanting to support that. Deb Jordan, Pete Santilli's girlfriend. Um, and we're going to talk a lot more about Pete Santilli later in the show. But real brief on that, it's the same thing. She was just on on a couple of video shows, uh, YouTuber shows in the last this last week or so, and she's still saying what the Bundys told Pete about what was going to happen in Bunkerville was a hundred percent true. Well, if Koch brothers and cows cows stemmed from the Bundy Ranch, so let's just talk Koch brothers on that. We have big corporate money coming in like that, and people are coming to the realization. How do they justify that in their minds at this point? At some point, they have to choose real sides to be a patriot, to be a real American. You know, you know what I mean? Right. So what, what, See, I don't where agree do they with, go from I, here? Not us, but where do they go from here? That's a good question. You know, I don't agree with all the big money being behind any of this to begin with. Um, you know, we don't we don't need the big money. You know, I know that, you know, somebody did put on there that, um, you know, it's okay to take, you know, okay to take money for this situation, but not that one. It's like, I mean, there's, there's no standard. We don't need that. We need to all come together as Americans instead of having, you know, the, the behind closed doors or, you know, the, whose, whose pockets are being lined for this or whose pockets are being lined for that? You know, both sides sit there and complain about lobbyists because, well, their pockets are being lined with something. But then again, you look at the movement, and it's the same thing here. You know, the everybody on, on the right sits here and complains about George Soros. You know, George Soros is this evil man. You know, the Rothschilds, you know, yeah, all, down the list. But then they're sitting there taking money from the Koch brothers. It's like a hypocrite much? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And and, and those, and, and as we're seeing now, those that were completely anti-Koch brothers suddenly have this in their face. Okay, so now they're like, oh, my God, if I acknowledge this, I have to let go of all of that. Oh, my God. And and the truth is is that some of them are trying to justify, like, like John Parker Jr., he's, he's trying to say that, um, you know, not only have they been involved for some time, but, you know, they got their foot in all, you know, things. But the truth is the Cup Brothers really don't have their foot on all sides of things. They really don't. And that's, that's, a, that's a very poor justification or, or attempt at a, a justification. Most of these people that were involved with not only the Oregon standoff, but the Bundy Ranch, as I have been saying for months now, most of these people genuinely at the core of who they are and what they believe to be their anti-government problem 
is absolutely against the Koch brothers and everything that and, 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 and the tentacles of that stands for. And that is an absolute fact. So a huge portion, the majority of the people involved in all the things that they supported with Ammon Bundy did so not understanding those facts. And that is a fact. And that has to um, psychologically uh, affect a lot of things and a lot of people. There is no way that you can remain sane and not be tainted, you know, for the furtherance of your life without actually having some kind of true reconciliation with such dynamic differences of ideology and thought and belief. Um, you know, and speaking of beliefs, let's talk about the Bundy rhetoric and the Bundy lies and all the soft nonsense. Now, you and I, Mark, have talked about this a lot, so I'm going to kind of give you the floor uh, with regards to, like, Bundy lies, the lies that, that stemmed all of the, the, the Bundy Ranch and the Oregon thing. Some things they said were true. Some things they probably do believe were true. Some things were outright lies. So let's kind of let's start walking into that. Well, one of the big ones with the Bundy Ranch that struck me, and, and, and you know, I, in the very beginning, that's what we heard, was that the federal government was trying to take their land, trying to take their ranch. But a quick search into Clark County, you find out that the Bundys actually don't even own a ranch. The Bundy Ranch itself is in trust, from what I'm seeing. Uh, If you go to Clark County's website and just do a name search for Clive and Bundy, there's no records found. Now, if you do a record search with just Bundy, his dad's name pops up, and it shows that the ranch itself is in trust. How was the government taking property that's been in trust since 93 or 94? doesn't make much sense. So that was a big lie right there. you know. And that was something that somewhat came out back then, but I don't think the whole thing came out. You know, um, from what we're, you know, from everything else we're finding, you know, like take like with Oregon, you know, they wasn't so much a lie as it was an omission of the rest. You know, with everything in Oregon, all we ever heard was, you know, Section 1, Article 8, Clause 17. That's That was it. That was the end. That was the, that was the be-all, end-all. They never wanted to talk about Article 4, Section 3, Clause 2. They never wanted to talk about, the, you know, the Northwest Treaty. They never wanted to talk about the rest of this stuff, you know, um, it, everything just it just kept compounding to the point where you'd actually sit there and just look at things and go, how do you people even believe your own nonsense? Right. You know, um, I, that's, people have, that's really the point, yeah. You know, people have asked, like for me, you know, well, did you support the Bundy Ranch? Well, not really. You know, there's a lot of things that, that we're finding out, you know, after that. There's some things that we're finding out or that, you know, I was looking at during the Bundy Ranch. You know, one of the things during the Bundy Ranch that really struck me is, you know, by now it's not a big secret. I own a trucking company. You know, the interstate, well, the roads, the the post roads are guaranteed to us by the federal government, okay? Um, The average motorist does not pay enough, pay anything to be on a road, unless it's a toll road. But even there you can avoid those. But I have to pay 
for every mile my rig runs on on any road, it doesn't make a difference. On any road, for every mile my tractor, my my unit runs, I have to pay a tax. Why? Because I am using a public road, just like public land, for commercial purposes. Someone's got to pay for these roads. It's my truck that tears these roads up. I mean, it, it is what it is. My truck's 80,000 pounds. Someone's got to pay for it. And since I'm using it for a commercial purpose, I pay my taxes on it. Do I agree with it? No. But I like to be in business. It's the same thing with up there. <laughs> you know, it's the same thing with a lot of these ranchers. I like to make a okay? Yes. You know, these, this, these are public lands. Sure are. I agree with you. But you're using them for commercial purposes. You're not using them because, you know, you're out there camping with your family. You're out there hiking with your family. You know, you're out there hunting, anything like that. You're using them for commercial purposes. That's a whole different sphere now. Uh, a couple of people are asking, why does Mark why, why does Mark keep talking like a sane person? <laughs> um, and, and because what you said right now is, is uh, an excellent, uh, good job, dude. It was an excellent uh, analogy or comparison to a problem, you know, that's going on. And, and I have another. A lot of these people, they don't seem to care you know they and and let me point out many of these people are tea partiers okay so and that's important in what i'm about to say i'd like to point out that oregon citizens have already had to deal with this for months and months and months on end with all of the bullshit that happened in burns uh and in in harney county as well as the ongoing stuff in grant county and you know all the stuff in multnomah county because of the trial uh, these are my tax dollars. These are Oregon citizens' tax dollars who never asked any of these people to come, who out overwhelmingly in, the, in this election here just the, what last week or whatever, uh, all these constitutional this and that that we're, we're running for everything, right? Okay, so we, we voted them no in, in resounding numbers. They came to the wrong state to try to do any of this stuff, and we're still paying for it. I am an Oregonian. And so, you know, just another comparison of people want to do things and they don't care where that money comes from, but they want to have demands of what they expect that costs money. Correct. Well, Mollier, you know, you can look at Mollier. Mollier was a good example, too. Um, I don't remember... You know, I don't remember anybody pitching in uh, or donations being made to pay for that light bill that we were using. Uh, you know, I you know there was gas that was taken out of the storage tanks up there. there was, yeah, I don't recall you know somebody sitting there going, okay, well this is what this gas probably cost, and you know putting money in a coffee can or something like that. There was none of that. So who's paying for all that? Oh, that's right, the taxpayers will pick that bill up. Hence, another reason why, and I know this is going to shock some people, but why moving to private property would have actually made a better stance than being there. Because while we, you know, being there, everything, everything's being done, the taxpayers are footing the bill. The same people you say you're, you're trying to help are the ones that are now paying for this. Right. That's my point. Yep. You know, none, none of these people, if they would have done this in the state of Arizona, the state of Utah, 
Idaho uh, might have had a bigger or better impact, uh, not only no. in the unrolling of it, but uh, in in what we're seeing now as far as any kind of cases on it. Um, but Oregon is so far removed. This is the tree hugger state. My gosh, I mean, this truly is like the hippie state, you know. And the closest thing to a hippie uh, that that came out of that would have been maybe Scott Willingham, um, you know, the off the gritter. Or if we want to talk of a, from a leadership perspective, maybe to a very slim extent, Ryan Payne, uh, you know, with his like everything's going to be peaceful after our revolution, but. You know, well, we're still paying for it, and, and the, the trial isn't even until, uh, what, mid and September, whatever, September of this coming year, and they, they say months long. So, I mean, we're going to pay and pay and pay, and then the state of Nevada is going to be paying, 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 and they're already paying and have been, and they're going to be paying because their trial is until February. So, you know, I mean, it's... How many people are these people going to rape? They're raping each other for money. Okay, I'm sorry. i got to go on a soapbox real quick uh, because it just irritates the hell out of me. It really irritates the hell out of me, this financial aspect of all of this. You know, they're raping my state, okay, which means me and everybody that lives here financially via tax dollars. They're raping the state in Nevada the same way. But they are raping, financially raping each other. Okay, it's one thing to, 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 to generate funds and donations for commissary, for the people in jail. Okay, I get it. I get it. You know, I, I let them get some decent shampoo. Let them get some snacks. And I don't mean that in a jokey way. Uh, I, I didn't plan that, that comment, but uh, it worked. So, um, you know, but we're – you know, the donations like, like, like Maureen Peltier, a staff sergeant Mo. What the hell are her donations for? Really, truly. Gavin Syme, what are his donations for? Please, people, tell me. Please explain to me. Because the numbers that turn out for their things are low. You guys are paying for your own audience. The 9-11 Truth Movement, and people are going to hate this from me, especially the person I'm going to say this about because we've been very close over the years. But same thing I say to Richard Gage in the 9-11 Truth Movement, okay, the founder of Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth, who travels all around not just this country but the world on 9-11 Truth or Times. And the overwhelming audience or listener or receiver of any set of information is the person paying for it that's already heard it over and over. And, in fact, they're posting it themselves. What the hell, Mark? Sorry. Yeah, well, that's, all, that's what they keep doing. They're, you know, Mo Money, she's out there all the time. You know, I need I need donations so I can go down there and, uh, you know, go see the, the political prisoners, which, I mean, I don't even agree with that term. That was a marketing term. You know, political prisoners, it, it implies that their only crime, their only accused crime was that they were protesting the government. And nobody was standing on this, you know, corner of the road with a sign and the panel van pulled up and threw a black hood over their head and dragged them into the van. That's not the way it worked, you know. Now, as far as in some ways, you know, and I've, I've spent a little bit of time ta- thinking about this, and we haven't really spoke about it, but trust me with this one, I won't, I won't derail you. Um, I think Oregon almost was actually planned. See, Arizona, if this would have happened in Arizona, it would not have went well. There was a case in Arizona two or three years ago. The guy's name was Richard Malley. He uh, was 
he had a small group of border guys. You know, one of the, and it's, this is something that did give us a black eye. Uh, but they were down off from I-8 running in what we call the in the Veckel Valley region. <clears throat> one of the tactics that's used with uh, drug pickups is something we placed along the road just inconspicuously, something you, the average person would never notice. But if they're driving on the road, you'll see like a, a soda bottle standing upright. Now, stuff gets thrown out of cars, sure. But what's the chance of a soda bottle standing upright? on the shoulder of the road. It won't happen. That's an indicator that a, that a mule is right there, okay? And what these pickup vehicles do is they'll go down the road, they'll park on the shoulder of the flashlights a few times, then the mules will come on out, or they'll signal them that they're coming out, okay? Well, law enforcement uses this same tactic. They'll drive down the road, see this stop, and go, could be, so they'll pull over, flash their lights, and they've actually got quite a few mules that way just because the, the, the mules will pop out because they see the lights being flashed and nothing else and go oh shit okay well we know this tactics used all right there were three guys um one of them being richard malley and when mcso pulled over with an unmarked cop car flashed his lights richard malley come out of the bush with his ar-15 trained on the officers now, the officers came out of the car. They did identify themselves. Yes, they were in tactical gear, but yes, they did, in fact, have sheriff's patches on them. Okay? He kept the rifle trained on them. And this will tell you though, some of the logic with these people. Um, he kept the rifle trained on them even after they identified themselves, showed their credentials, even radioed for backup. He still kept his rifle trained on them, pointed at them. Until backup showed up. Now, his whole thing was he was only shining a flashlight on him. Okay, but your flashlight was attached to your rifle. All right, you can't hit a technical truth there when you're dealing with a weapon. Doesn't work that way. Now, he was arrested. Um, I can't remember what he got out of it. But Joe Arpaio which is our sheriff for Maricopa County, MCSO, Maricopa County Sheriff's, Sheriff, uh, Sheriff's Office, came out after that and said, one more incident like this with militia, he'll tell his officers to go ahead and shoot him. He doesn't stand right. for it. If they would have pulled this stuff down there, now, if they would have pulled this stuff down there, uh-uh. Uh-uh. These people would have prayed the FBI got there before MCSO actually got there. And now, now Arpaio, keep in mind, is a constitutional sheriff, and that's what well, these that's people what don't grasp. Oh, you know, if he's a, well, if Mark, there's a constitutional well, oh, oh, sheriff. Okay, hold on, blah 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 blah. Okay, <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> because let's let's extract that a little bit more. Okay, you're talking about a constitutional sheriff, okay? That that these people want to rely on. This is a big voice out there in alternative media, just like Sheriff Mack. All right, um, except Sheriff Mack hasn't been a real sheriff in like a couple decades. But Arapaio is out there, and he's, he's preaching. He's talking his talk. But when it comes down to it, Mark, what's going to happen out there? You live in Arizona. What's the real deal? That's what you're saying. Right. Joe Arpaio, and, I mean, I love the man. Don't get me wrong. I love him. I vote for him. Uh, he does a hell of a job in our communities. You know, I don't buy into all the racist stuff, um, you know, because it's really, it's really kind of good. If you've got to look at demographics to watch a lot of that play out. You know, but Arpaio is considered one of the biggest constitutional sheriffs out there. Okay, but 
you can pull up. I mean, anybody can Google it. All they got to do is look up Richard Maley, uh, Richard Maley arrest, you know, stuff like that. They will find it. Arpaio came out, stood at the podium, and said, "If militia pulls weapons on their officers again, he will he will tell his officers to shoot them." Okay, the Constitution doesn't allow for you to just point a weapon on a cop and then it's oh bygones be bygones bullshit it doesn't work that way and that's from arpaio joe arpaio himself now that's only there's only a few groups that mcso or pinal county you know border patrol that they don't bother with you know ours being one of them um other groups nah they let that desert then they'll push them out of there because they're prone for dumb stuff like that one there. You know, there again, the, Richard's whole defense in court was, oh, I just had my flashlight point at him. Well, yeah, but your flashlight was clamped to your rifle, bro. I mean, technical truth or not, that's a dumb maneuver. So, no, this this case, in or, this stuff in Oregon, no. If they would have pulled this, say, like in Arizona, which is something that, you know, got brought up during the Oregon standoff because Finicum's was having problems with, or they canceled their BLM contract too. And from what the rumor was, I, I haven't seen it, but from what the rumor was, BLM was starting to uh, harass them too. So why didn't they do it in Arizona? <clears throat> because it wouldn't have worked well for them. Well, Gavin Syme, uh, I think it was yesterday, someone was saying that Gavin Syme in one of his streaming videos, he Gavin Syme, okay, people, are you listening? Gavin Syme yesterday said, there are no, there are zero constitutional sheriffs in America. Um, something you were talking about earlier I wanted to mention because I thought it was of import because one of the listeners, Jeff Blakes, uh, went ahead and Googled what you were talking about with regards to Richard Malley and um, yep. said that he got six months and then uh, no more. He, he's not allowed to have weapons is what, is what uh, he ended up having. So, Mark, let's... Uh, yep. For the listeners, it's obviously a two-hour show. I'm not doing the close right now. Uh, i let you know from the beginning, uh, so we still have another hour to go here. Uh, Mark, I want to jump over to – we talked about this uh, last week, uh, and I think we need to talk about it again because part of what's going on in the Nevada courts with threats against the prosecutors from Bundy supporters. And when I say Bundy supporters, FYI, I'm not just saying just the Bundys, people that support them. Bundy supporters is kind of a catch-all term for everybody that's supporting what has transpired at the Bundy Ranch and at Malheur. Um But w- let's let's talk about these threats. I mean, you, you see them all the time, um, and I see them all the time, and we've mostly spoken about the ones that I've seen. So why don't you, you – earlier in the show when we opened, you talked about one in particular – but talk about some of the threats that you're seeing out there. You don't even have to say who they're from or anything, but just kind of the context of the threats, the gravity of the threats. Like the ones I'm getting? Um, either to or you ones or in to general. me or to Melvin Lee or to anybody that disagrees with what they have done. Oh, I mean, the ones that come or at me are, are I mean, in a factual manner. <clears throat> You know, the ones that come at me, I mean, I laugh them off because if you want to come at me, God bless you. You know, all I'm going to do, I'm going to make you famous. You better be quicker than me. That's all I can say. That's really all I can say. You know, ones come at Tammy. Uh, Tammy is a former sheriff's deputy. So if you, want to, if you want to pick that fight, there again, God bless you. The ones that really that come at me that bother me are the ones that go against my son. 
you know, my son is actually, uh, he's actually an active duty U.S. Army medic. You know, and these want, people want to go at him. You know, there was a woman that posted, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, you know, death to Mark McConnell and his family. Well, by my family, you're implying my son, too. But you want to talk about how you're a patriot, but now you're going after a boy that's active duty, U.S. Army, and he's a medic? That's the person you want to kill, huh? You know, and then people start just building on that. You know, the rest of them, uh, you know, I seen one earlier. Uh, I, I can't remember the, the the girl's name, but it's Ryan Payne's fiance. You know, she had a she put a post out that said, "Listen, everybody needs to you know calm their rhetoric down," uh, because the, I mean the government's using this; they're, they're using all this rhetoric against our guys. And then what do you have? You have a member of the Bundy family that goes in there. Whoa, but we got free speech. Okay, but you, you're also compounding the problem on your own people. I mean. Are you just are you just gonna keep digging your hole your hole to the point to where what you're actually eating authentic Chinese? I mean it, it makes no sense whatsoever. You know the Bundy Ranch they put a post up on their page back in April. You know for the two year anniversary, the Battle of Bunkerville. No, we had a Battle of Iwo Jima. We had a Battle of the Bulge. Um, Normandy is a battle. <laughs> How are you sitting there comparing and saying the Battle of Bunkerville, but then turn around going, but it was a peaceful protest? Uh, no. Battles imply weapons. That implies tactics. That's not a peaceful protest. But these people don't get it. They would just want to keep using this same old rhetoric and then wonder why they can't get out of jail. It makes, I mean, it makes no, no logical sense. I guess that's why they're missing it the logic part. Right. So I want to let um, the listeners know a couple things that are going on in the chat room. Um, and then and then we're going to jump right back into this, Mark. Um, there's a couple things going on in the chat room. Uh, I thought Mo was in the chat room. She's not. But Mo's husband's ex-wife, which is Mo's best friend, uh, Melina, is in the chat room. And... Uh, I think that uh, that's a good thing that she's in there, regardless of what comes of it, because I think that the the things that we're talking about and, and the way in which we're talking about them need to be heard and shared. And even if they fall on uh, mostly deaf ears, there will be some ears that will perk up and listen. Also in the in the chat room, there's a lot of people that have asked me um, to have Melvin Lee back on the show. And uh, Melvin Lee is in the chat room, and he's in there chatting. If you would like to chat with him, please go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash challenging the rhetoric with Sherry Roberts. That's C-H-E-R-I. Um, and uh, so uh, please, please do that uh, and say hi to Melvin. Uh, and, and speaking of Melvin, I wanna, we're going to switch tracks for a minute uh, since, I'm, since I'm talking about Melvin. We're going to switch tracks for a minute, Mark. Melvin Lee put out a new video. I haven't shared it yet. Um, I will share it uh, probably this evening um, or tomorrow because I, I wanted to actually write something in tandem with it since you've been such a big part of the show for a while now. Um, it's like I have a new co-host. But uh, <laughs> Melvin did a kind of a side-by-side comparison in a sense of Shauna Cox's testimony about what happened and your video that, that he is the one that, for the most part, kind of really pushed you, as he said, with his own mouth on the show. Uh, to, to create that first video that you did about what happened. And 
anybody that watches mm. this video, please go to YouTube and, and look for Patriotic Warriors. Just put that in there and you'll find the channel. It's probably the last video. It's not the last one. It's one of the last two or three there. And uh, it'll be self-explanatory with the title. But the comparison was much needed. So kudos to you, Melvin, for doing that. Uh, the, the comparison was much needed because people have just dragged you through the, the rails. You know, we're talking about all these threats and all of that to, to all kinds of people, but also you. Um, the thing is, is that, you know, I don't necessarily, I, I, okay, I'm sorry, i got to parlay here. I don't necessarily like to give um, recognition to people that I do not necessarily support. However, um, I would like to point out, uh, and as uh, by no uh, no accident, I will say, by no accident, because there was some prompting uh, from Melvin Lee, but Chaos View uh, on YouTube, who has been an on-again, off-again supporter of my show. I mean, he did like a third of his whole show the other day that was pretty much all about me. He uses my work all the time. Um, and I and I'm okay with that. I mean, I don't want him to copy, you know, to use my copyright work and just put it all up there. But you know, he can call me a researcher. He can call me whatever he wants. I don't care. You know, he he uses a lot of my work as he does other other people. And he he has done so much negatively against you, Mark. And it's been <laughs> a really sad thing. And the problem is is that when you look at this video that Melvin has put together you know, uh, with his offerings that he's made to chaos, has made chaos kind of uh, sit up a little bit straighter and take a little bit more notice of what he's done. Um, and he hasn't outright uh, apologized to you or anything, although his co-host who, who claims to know nothing about you or anything uh, is apologizing on her and his and everyone else's behalf. Um, Correct. The problem is, thank you, Shannon, for posting that link in the chat room. If you're wondering about the video, Shannon Vita just posted it in the chat room. Um, the thing is, is that uh, what Melvin, the way he puts it out there is everything that you said, as I and, and many people already knew and understood, was everything that Shauna Cox has actually said in the public realm. And there is a difference between public domain chaos and public realm, FYI, please look it up. But in the public realm, <laughs> that, that, that he... he you know, he shows what you say and what Shauna says and what you say and what Shauna says. And you're saying everything that Shauna says, okay? Correct. And you didn't lie. You didn't even necessarily overspeak for the most part in anything. You pretty much said what she said. There might have been a couple things that you put into your own words that meant the same thing. And so now... Someone like Chaos who's done, I mean, every single freaking video dude's got out there for months now, even if it has nothing to do with you, you're linked in the, in, in the not the comments, but in the actual information of whatever that video is that he's doing that day. Right. And, um, you know, so uh, anything you want to say to Chaos? Because I know that you heard what he had to say. Post on Chaos's video, you know, um, chaos has done a lot of work on me. I think he's up to like three hours worth of video on me. I At mean, least. that's just that's just like an exorbitant amount. I mean, he's posted. He, he's even posted my shooting videos. 
you know, and in one of the one of the videos I posted up there, I'm I'm just half assing out playing around the desert with a new 45 auto, and he's like, well, you know, well he really can shoot well, but he screws up right there and doesn't chamber around. <laughs> really, dude? <laughs> Whatever, you know. Um, Melvin did me a massive favor by putting that video out because if you watch that video, there again, everything I said was that, and I fully admit in that video that Shauna Cox says this. She turns around and says the same thing, okay? The only real difference in her her verbatim um, in the videos and versus what I use is the word charged. Now, as you hear in Melvin's video, she that's what she said. That's one of the things that she said in the van. And we can do, you know, there can be more videos made of Shauna's just pure inconsistencies which falls back in line with my statement of you mean like hundreds things, of bullets lobbied things. again. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, you know the inconsistency. Yeah, because I can't get over the hundreds the, of bullets that were fired at them. Well, but you got to remember, I you know I wasn't there. I wasn't an eyewitness. Okay, but she was an eyewitness, so therefore her story is more credible. But we watched all this video, and I have yet to see all this opening fire on this vehicle. I've yet to see it, even with the videos. Where is this stuff? I know some somebody out there is going to go, whoa, but it's, you know, the government heavily edited. Oh, shut up. Um, you know, but yes, Chaos did, you know, he's done a lot of videos on me. Um, but even, you know, after Melvin's video come out, Chaos did acknowledge uh, maybe he wasn't correct. You know, but everything in those, in, in Melvin's video shows what I said that night and then what she said after that. Now, in the last part of that video, Shauna says that, you know, he just can't, he just jumped out of the truck and he just flung the door open, jumped out of the truck and took off running. Okay, now in the vehicle, she said that. But she also said that he, ran, he went running towards law enforcement. Okay, now let me clarify that with, uh, you know, about mine. Okay, she used the words he ran towards law enforcement. Well, running towards something is charging okay it's not you know it's not a play on words that's just what it is now my thing as far as that goes you know Lavoie made his stand out of all these people at the refuge that sat there and said we're going to make our stand we're going to stand for our constitution we're going to you know we're going to do this we're going to do that the only one that did was Lavoie Finnicum and I respect him for that I don't agree with him taking off the way he did. No, I don't, because there was an 18-year-old girl in that truck, and I don't agree with that. But you know something? That man stood on his principles. From my He's perspective, and looking at – Exactly. Okay? So people have come out and said, well, you know, well, you said this about Lavoy. No, I respect Lavoy. Okay? When, by the time I made my video, I had known Jason Patrick had walked his punk ass – six miles in 20-degree weather and surrendered. I had seen Mr. Tough Guy, Ryan Payne, jump his ass out of that window of that truck. Okay, LaVoy, he made it quite clear. He was making a stand. And I don't care what anybody says. That man put his money where his mouth was, and he made his stand. You can watch that FBI video. There's a difference between hands up and hands out. When LaVoy came out of that truck, in my mind, he had to have seen those officers there in, that, in, that, in, the, in the trees. He had to have. 
Okay? LaVoy made his stand. I admire him for that because he actually did what he said he was going to do. When he was in that snowbank. he believed in. Yeah, he did. He stood on what he believed in. That man stood on his principles. Always admire LaVoy for that. We talked about that in your in your show in the show last week. You know, when someone stands on their principles, and that's what that man did. That man stood on his principles. He so said that he was going to make I, his stand there, and God bless him, he did. Okay, I I I, I I'm going to say this so that everybody listening and as it gets shared, I agree with you, Mark. I agree with you. I do not agree with anything that they did. I do not agree with the lies of the cause because it is not transparent. It is not true, the things that, that the Bundys perpetuated. And so many people, I think, are finally now starting to realize that. But I do right. agree with what you said, and that is that all these people went there. All these people made these challenges. All these people said these things. And the only person that actually stood behind their own freaking mouth was LaVoy Finnegan. And and he, he he was as as Laura uh Laura Moody in the chat room says Lavoy was duped because he was brought into this by Cliven Bundy with Cliven Bundy's lies. And and I'm sorry that that offends anybody. I'm not sitting here trying to badmouth or slander Cliven Bundy. But Cliven Bundy and the rest of the Bundys have not been honest. And unfortunately the Finnicums have not been overly honest either, at least after the fact with the real truth of what was really happening. The only one, you know, as far as my, as far as I go, okay, and this is strictly my opinion, you know, like I said, there was a lot of people at the refuge. There you didn't, you know, a lot of people didn't have a lot of, didn't have a lot of big rhetoric. All the ones that did in fact say, you know, about making their stand and so on and so forth. The only one that did, and actually did make his stand, and to which I do find that honorable, okay, whether people agree with me or not. I do find that, the you know, with LaVoy standing on his principles, I do find that honorable, okay? And that's something I've never said to people because, well, quite frankly, you can't get attacked all the time and then get out and actually talk about stuff, okay? But, like I said, with LaVoy, LaVoy stood his ground, Okay, when it, to me, in my opinion, in my mind's eye, when he came out of that truck in the direction he was facing, he had to have seen those guys. That man stood his ground. Whether he reached for a weapon or anything else, I don't know. But that's a man right there that believed that he was righteous. Okay, that's a so man that Mark, believed he had an honorable fight. And I, quite yeah. frankly, I support him. Right. Okay, so here's what I want to do, because I'm not going to give a, a, an over-platform uh, for Lavoie Finnegan. I think that we have honored him by talking really, you know, real truth here in what you and I have both right. said. And I want to have the last word on Lavoie based on some stuff coming in the chat room specifically. Uh, if you're not in the chat room, go to blogtalkradio.com forward slash challenging the rhetoric with Sherry Roberts, C-H-E-R-I. Uh, scroll down underneath the slider in the chat room there. Here's the thing. I, I think most people um, that are looking at this with real open eyes understand that Lavoie was duped uh, and, uh, you know, to a certain extent. 
if not the whole extent. Um, and one of the things is is that people that actually look and read finitely the autopsy of Livroy Finicum, the, the official one, not the one that the family says that they did, that they've never shown anyone. Okay, they want to claim all sorts of stuff based off this autopsy that they refuse to show anyone. Why do they refuse? I don't know. But you know what? If they refuse to show anyone but want to claim things, then I call bullshit on that. So I'll take the official one. When you look at the official autopsy and you look at not what it says in the sense it says no terminal illness and da-da-da-da-da-da-da, when you actually look at the finite numbers and the, the weights and measures of the organs and this, that, and the other, there are some very striking things when you look that way. And when you look that way, regardless of whether it says there's no terminal illness, there are a whole lot of people out there that believe, in fact, that part of Lavoie's whole stance was because he had some sort of terminal illness. The medications he, he was on that was also in his talk screen uh, would certainly speak to that. The differences of the variances of the weights and measures of his organs, of, of not organs, organs would speak to that. Um, so I think that there are things that we may never know. We may never know. But as far as what Lavoie Finicum did, I am willing to say two things. Lavoie did not try to kill Oregon State Police or um, the HRT FBI members because he did specifically veer off to try to go around the roadblock and got stuck. I don't think he expected to get stuck because everything was in fast motion for them as it was happening. But if he wanted to kill them, he could have barreled right into them. Okay. Now, that being said, here's the other thing that I will absolutely agree to. I do believe that when Lavoie got out of that truck for whatever his own interpersonal reasons were, that he did, in fact, move away, get out and move away to try to not draw fire away, okay, because there was no fire yet other than because he was trying to, in their opinion, the way he was barreling at them, ram through the roadblock. Okay, so boom, 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 three shots fired. Okay, no other shots were fired until he went to get out, all right? And when he gets out, did it draw fire away? Well, hell, just like you said, Mark, there wasn't all any other fire going on except that which killed him because everything else was fireworks, okay? It was play, okay? So did he jump out because he had his own plan that he had told people over and over that he was going to do for his very own reasons, whatever they may be? And did that maybe potentially save all the hotheads, minus Victoria Sharp, who just is confused, Okay, but the other two hotheads, Ryan Bundy and Shauna Cox, in that vehicle, did he save their lives? Possibly. Possibly. I'll give you that. Do you want to say something? No. No, because if I keep going, I'm going to go on a tangent. <laughs> well, you can go on a tangent, but I'll give you like two minutes. Go for <clears> it. <throat> then we're moving no, on. No, I think that, there again, like I said, I think that LaVoy made a stand. Um you know, I don't agree with it. I don't agree with him taking off, especially with Victoria in that truck. If the women would have got out, that would have been one thing. You know, um, you know, one of the things that's bothered me, and it did come out in Shauna's video, <clears throat> is Ryan did, in fact, have that pistol in his hand. He had his revolver in his hand. You know, uh, you can see it on a still frame, pictures that were taken. You know, the weapon was found right there on the floor. You know, that's one of the things that always bothered me, because I knew that there were guns there. 
But there, all these shots were fired that truck, and nobody returned fire, huh? That's a real stand-up person right there. That's a man that's got balls right there. Remember that. You know? But, sure. you know, like I said, sure. when with, with all this starting out, you know, you were talking about chaos and Melvin, you know, I do give you know I do give chaos credit, especially with his co-host. I can't even name was Pamela, um, you know, because she did come out and apologize. You know, chaos. He's he's got a kind of a vested interest. You know, he, he did put a lot of videos out on me, but I think that he's actually starting to look at things and go, all right, maybe I was inaccurate, maybe I was wrong. You know, time will tell. You know, Melvin. I do. You know, I got to give Melvin a lot of credit for that because that was Melvin's idea to do that video. Um, Melvin did it. Melvin put it out, and it's really hard to argue with it now. It is. He so. did a good job putting out the video. Um, I, I, I'm not going to argue that. Uh, some of the methods he used in his madness, I am completely against. Um, but uh, it was a good video. It, it proved an accurate and uh, needed point. Um, and I will share it for that reason. Um, the the let's let's move away from that, and I want to get into because we have a little bit more than a half an hour to go here. Um, I want to get into a little bit about Pete Santilli because when we opened the show and we started talking about the motions that have been filed, Pete Santilli finally, and I've been talking about this on the show for months. Um, he finally severed his case. Uh, his Nevada case, or he hasn't he hasn't succeeded yet, to, to my knowledge. But the the motion has been filed, so that he can sever his case from the other co-defendants uh, in the Bundy Ranch, the 2014 Bundy Ranch episode. And um, his attorney has said that for the most part, his entire defense is riding on um, him being a journalist and First Amendment. Now. Santilli should have done that from the very beginning, as I tried to tell Staff Sergeant Mo, Maureen Peltier, and, and, and Deb Jordan. Because I say this because, I, as, as listeners know, and if you're only tuning in for the first time tonight or last week, um, Santilli is somebody that I, I knew personally. Uh, we have done some work together. Uh, he, we've, I don't just know him online. We've met face-to-face. We've gone out to a bar, had drinks, did karaoke, the whole nine yards. Um, We've been on each other's shows. Uh, it was very on the record for years. I don't agree with uh, with Santilli's presentation and the things that he says and does and his elaborations. Um, but what I didn't agree with most about Santilli is that he did not grasp. He did absolutely did not grasp. And before I, before I finish that sentence, it's very important for people to understand that when I met Pete Santilli, it was October of 2014. So this is just less than six months after Bundy Ranch, which was his very first time being out there, uh, not only as an activist in the streets, quote-unquote, but as any kind of, quote-unquote, roving reporter. He had never left his studio. Okay, he, he and this is something that he conveyed to me, and, and I've said this before, it was his version of being on fire for Christ. He was so on fire and so hot over uh, what happened at Bundy Ranch, so incited by it, just like he's being charged for inciting. He was so incited by what happened, in part, in part, which is good for the defense, because nothing happened to them for almost two years after they did that. So, boy, that would embolden me for sure. No question there. 
that Santilli is finally severing or trying to sever his Nevada case from the others. I suspect that he would be doing the same thing for Oregon here very shortly. Uh, If not, maybe he thinks that the Oregon charges, maybe he does believe, even though the judge so far in another motion uh, is not buying the whole, there's, you know, she says they have to wait. One of the motions was that a conspiracy is not a, a violent crime. Okay, it's not a violent crime. And they propose some stuff and blah, 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 and she's going to make them wait. And I think this coming week or so we're going to hear some kind of uh, decision on that. But with Santilli, you had some experiences with Santilli. Did you ever, and I haven't asked you this, we talked a little bit about Mellier with Santilli and you, but did you ever have any knowledge of Santilli, any interaction with Santilli, any, anything with Santilli prior to Mellier? No, prior to Mellier, I mean, I had heard his name, but I had never seen his show. I had never actually heard anything, you know, from him or anything like that because I don't, I don't really get into all these YouTubers. You know, the, what I did hear about him, he was basically another Alex Jones. And quite frankly, I really, I, I don't wear, I can't wear a tinfoil hat. And some of the stuff that these guys come off with is just, to me, nuts. You know, so no, I never really had anything. And when we were, when I was up there, you know, somebody's like, oh, you know, I'm on Pete Santilli. And I'm like, who is he? Oh, he's right there. You know, so I, you, you could, I mean, you can pick Pete out. Once you know who Pete is, uh, he stands like a sore thumb. Um, well, you well know. wait, wait, I, I have to interrupt you on this because this is the funny freaking thing about Pete Santilli, and this is a fact, okay? And everybody that knows Pete Santilli, uh, including people that want to hate on me, cannot deny this because it's the truth. Pete Santilli continuously changes himself, continuously. Two years ago, sitting in a bar with Pete Santilli, okay, sitting in a bar with bald, shaved, except for his little, he didn't have no goatee. He had one of those little soul patches, okay, and that was it, and a bald head, okay. Pete Santilli, and then in another thing, he has full hair, not long hair like in in Mallier, but full, like, boy haircut, man haircut, suit and tie, Santilli. Santilli continuously changes himself up and presents himself differently. And when I saw the first images coming out of Mellier of Pete Santilli, I didn't realize it was him initially until I actually looked at, I don't mean this is an insult, but until I actually, I, I recognized the mouth, okay, the mouth. Pete Santilli's got a very, um, he's one of those people that, you know, where some people talk with their hands. He verbally talks with his mouth, but he also animates with his mouth, if you know what I mean. So he, he's not somebody that anybody can necessarily pick out except for he's going to be the, the loudest Joe Blow there. He's going to get in everybody's face, which is what I think that the feds were defend, depending on, and which is why, as I've said many times, that I, I truly believe that that December Ohio gun charge was specifically dropped so that they can allow Pete Santilli to continue to go to Oregon so that they – he can provide them all the information they needed, not because he knew that, but because they knew what he would do. And anyway, that's sorry. Entirely that's like likely. You can't just you can't just pick, pick Pete Santilli out of the crowd because of how he looks. <laughs> well, no. Well, what I was saying is once once he was pointed out to me up there, 
you know, then you could continuously pick Pete out because Pete just he he's very there again, he's very animated, not only with his mouth but with his person as well. And Pete is always he's always moving, you know, he never stands still. Um you know, Pete to me I think Pete made you know, he did make a fool of himself the one day, you know, where he was and I believe there's video of it, you know, where he's sitting there and he's like, Well, you know, that guy's a fed, that guy's a fed. And somebody was standing next to him, I can't remember the guy's name, and I'm like, I'll, you know, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, and I send out loud, I'm like, what effing difference does this shit make? What difference? The guy's like, well, you know, well, if he's a Fed in here, wait a minute. And I looked at him like, aren't we standing on the platform of this is the people's land? Well, yeah. Uh, if this dude's a Fed, isn't he still a person? Well, Yeah. I'm like, you guys just aren't even getting this stuff, do you? Well, what do you mean? And I wish I could remember the, that guy's name. You know, but I'm like, think about it. I'm like, His here's your, your entire platform. Is Mark, huh? Mark, let me let me give some background for listeners that are not quite sure what we're talking about. His name, the man that was accused of being a fed, his name is Taylor McKinnon. He's a friend of mine, okay? Um, Taylor McKinnon is not a fed. And... Um, the other guy that was there was Kieran Suckling, who is the founder, the creator of the Biodiversity Center. And I, I didn't say the whole name. Sorry, I wasn't prepared to talk about Kieran tonight. Um, but, but the man that you're talking about, his name is Taylor McKinnon. He's absolutely not a Fed. And I can't. I, and I will let you continue. But, but because you didn't remember his name, and everybody's shouting it in the in the chat room and on Twitter and and elsewhere. Um, that is his name, but here's the problem that I have. Is to this day, while Deb Jordan was just on YouTube yesterday, day before, or whatever, still saying that everything that Bundy said is true, everything that they said is 100% true, blah, 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 standing by in their cognitive dissonance instead of sucking it up and saying, look, okay, look, we fucked up. That's what they need to do, okay, first and foremost. And then they need to take down all the YouTube videos that still have bombshell, breaking news, bullshit. Peter Santilli busting a fed, calling out a fed, exposing a fed, all of that crap that is still there for this guy named Taylor McKinnon, who is not a fed, nothing to do with that. He was there with the with the counter protesters with the biodiversity center. He worked with Karen, um, but there is he essentially wants to claim with with this motion, which he should have done a long time ago, to sever his case. And in and everything that he does, if he's really a journalist, first of all, he wouldn't do half the shit he does. But the second thing is, is when he makes a real mistake, he needs to do a retraction and a correction, and he needs to take the bullshit down. So Deb. Take it down, okay? Spitfire, take it down. All of you people that have perpetuated the lies with your stupid bogus headlines and stuff like that, you're hurting Pete Santilli. You're hurting Adam Bundy. Do I care about these people in the way that you do? No, I don't. If there's any one of those people in jail that I care about in any kind of semblance of way, it's Pete Santilli. And maybe maybe someday here soon, because I think people really would like to know, and I think their imagination is going wild. Maybe Deb's imagination is going wild. It's certainly not what you think. 
But Pete Santilli and I actually had a very respectful human being relationship based on a moment of need that had nothing to do with boys and girls and sex, okay, that we earned and then deserved that respect from one another. And I have been trying to give him that all this time, but I am getting attacked for it by the very people that are hurting his case, by the very people, by their actions and behavior and speech, including Deb Jordan's, at least initially, but even still in the last step I've heard, is hurting him and is going to make him be in jail for the rest of his life or in prison. So, Mark, um, with (laughs) regards to Pete Santilli, I don't think that I can move off that subject without talking about Alex Jones. Are you an Alex Jones fan? You and I have not ever spoken about Alex Jones. Sorry, not not this is not an aha moment, but uh, do you listen to Alex no. Jones at all? Um, <laughs> no. What is your knowledge of no. Alex Jones? Very my my knowledge of Alex Jones is very limited. Um, like I said, when <clears throat> he did a my first caught glimpse of Alex Jones back a few years ago, he did something with. Uh, I believe it was Jesse Ventura, where, you know, they were going around, they were exposing these big FEMA camps, you know. And in my mind, I'm sitting there going, you guys are, you guys are idiots, okay? We're a nation of 320 million people. On any given time, on average, I believe we have 3.8 million to 4.1 million combined law enforcement on every level, city, state, county, local, any level, federal, and military, okay? Those numbers don't bode well for rounding people up. And then you'll get people to go, well, but they got the U.N. Okay, U.N. troops are comprised of primarily third-world nations. And, I mean, quite frankly, if you haven't noticed, they're not doing all that well in their own places, so I don't think their training's on par to even go up against your average American, okay? So <clears throat> logistically, you, you know, I would start asking you, okay, well, how do you think they're going to start rounding people up to do this? Oh, I don't know, but they're going to. Okay. You know, and that's when, you know, like I said, I, I caught that one Alex Jones thing where they did a whole FEMA camp thing, and it's like, you I mean, you people are doing just beyond ridiculous. And I never tuned into him again. So... so one asked, show and one show only. Which one was it? Do you remember? No, it's been a few years. Whatever one, I, I, like I said, I believe that he did it with uh, Jesse Ventura. Ah, oh, I know what show you're talking about, or at least the slew of shows that you're talking about. So I, I want to, this is a little bit off my log, and for the listeners, I, I actually have a formatted show. Uh, I worked for corporate radio, <laughs> broadcast radio, CBS, et cetera, for more than 20 years, and um, or various different corporate broadcasting groups before I went off on my own. So when I do my show, I, I do have a format to the show. I do actually provide kind of a minute-by-minute log. I do not do a script, uh, but I do some bullet points and kind of how each little segment and direction is going to go. Um, so I'm going to go a little bit off, and I say that because – uh, Mark and, and Sue, my, my social media manager, are like, oh, she's going somewhere. <laughs> um, you know, when we're talking about this, there's a reason that I want to go into this because this is really important to me. 
if this person, for whatever reason that she's there, uh, Melina Bilodeau, or Bilodeau, I'm going to say it wrong and I don't mean to, um, and, I, and I already mentioned her a couple times. I thought she was Mo. This is Staff Sergeant Mo, Maureen Peltier's best friend. This is Mo's husband's ex-wife, and, and they are best friends. They're not sister wives or anything like that. Um, she's been very respectful in the chat room. I just verified that she's still there. So I want to do a little something in the hope that she will be open-minded, open-hearted to hear what I'm about to do. She's saying LOL, so she's still there. So I played, I have played this twice before, once when it first came up and once in one of the earlier shows that I had Mark on. There was a show that Mo did on YouTube, um, and it was really at some point, obviously, the attorneys, Thomas Cohn, and maybe even Mike Arnold, and it was when the Nevada attorneys had come in for for Pete to do, um, you know, his hearing with them, his uh, arraignment with them. And Mo did a show, and in the show, it was obvious that she was trying to make sure that that everybody knew she was a journalist. It, it was it was so dramatically different than her other stuff and her language that it was obvious she something had changed, and she felt some heat on her, okay? And uh, at the same time, she wanted to uh, be a good friend to Deb Jordan and to Pete Santilli, who she has been working for since at least the middle of December, documented by herself all over social media, all right? Um, And I know how that works because, uh, you know, I kind of went through that process myself a couple years ago. Uh, but, But here's the deal. She said something about Alex Jones in this, and it's so important because when I, outside of Mark, because Mark's not quite on the same page with me here, but this, I can't let this moment pass. There is a cool aspect here that people just don't either understand. Well, some people don't understand. Some people are trying, and some people are refusing to because it's a part of them. Now, I came from this. I am one of the original 9-11 truthers. I still believe what I believe about 9-11 but I feel so burdened and bad about this monster that I and others created called Alex Jones. Because what I'm going to play for you that is straight from Maureen Peltier's mouth is very real in the sense that I'll explain afterwards. So it is like a minute and 11 seconds long. Here you go. This is Staff Sergeant Mo. The truth is hard. And the truth is, Alex Jones, that everything you predicted that would happen to our country Everything, Alex Jones, and your messages I've listened to for years is coming to fruition. Alex, David Knight, Joe Biggs, everybody on the InfoWars shows, it's happening and it's happening right now. And you're not paying attention. You're not hearing it or seeing it. They're rounding us up, Alex. And you're pointing fingers, saying it was earned and deserved. And again, I say that is no different than saying the woman who dressed inappropriately deserved to be raped. Your message is loud and clear to me now, Alex Jones. Pete Santilli is being raped. And you think he deserved it. You think we all deserve it. Everything you predicted, Alex, is coming to fruition. 
everything you predicted, Alex, is coming into fruition. First of all, let's notice the familiarity of language. Um, she doesn't call him Jones like a reporter would. She calls him Alex. Okay, she's he's not on the show with her like you are with me, Mark. Uh, when I'm talking about you, I say McConnell. Um, that that's one thing. But the other thing is is a very real belief in all the things that Alex Jones has perpetuated all of these years. Okay, for nearly two decades. Okay, at least since 9/11. They don't question the content or the context of what they believed in Alex Jones, they question the fact he's not supporting them now. Well, that seems asked backwards to me. Is, is there a problem with that to you, Mark, at all? Well, I don't really know how to even answer that one. I mean, they're, they're in a lot of ways, they're just making fools of themselves. But they don't realize it. And, and and when anybody tries to point it out in, in any kind of meaningful way, when anybody tries to say, hey, 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 hit your pause button, hey, 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 wait a minute, okay, when 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 people say that Pete Santilli and Amon Bundy incited others, that's an actual charge that they have, at least in Nevada, that they incited others. Well, who incited them? Alex Jones? Certainly incited Pete Santilli for years and years and years. That is why Pete Santilli went off on his own and did his show and and has emulated many things of Alex Jones and then became an enemy, and now they want his help and his millions. Deb Jordan wants him to lay out a million dollars for all these patriots, okay? Well, that's kind of ridiculous after you've been dissing the man all these years, after he's what made you people to begin with. But then you got the whole other aspect of Ammon Bundy and who incited him? And that leads us right back to Cows and the Koch brothers. And if all of these people that support all these people in jail and all the people on release awaiting their trials actually want to have a defense that matters, then you need to look at what a cult is and you need to figure out what that means in a modern technological aspect of the world. As I say, we alienate ourselves. We isolate ourselves, by our computers right here in our own living rooms, bedrooms, wherever we are, Starbucks, I don't care, wherever you are, that your nose is in that computer and you are only looking up things that you're interested in and the things that prove you right, you need to start proving yourself wrong. So, Mark, if you could say something to all of the people that support all of this that has happened, not just this one or that one, what is the best message that you could actually put out there right now from your heart? I think a lot. And, and let me tell you, I think a lot. Mark, Mark has a heart, okay? There are some people that <laughs> have thought that he's very kind of uh, mechanical or whatever, um, but Mark has a heart. Mark, uh, <laughs> Mark's a different sort, but he's, you know, he's flesh and blood like all of us, and he, he really does have a heart, and, and I think the listeners are learning that. So I, I, I genuinely, Mark, I want you to speak from your heart, not just your tactical knowledge. I think what a lot of, these, what a lot of folks need to do, if they actually genuinely support the guys that are incarcerated at the moment, and no, there again, I'm not going to call them political prisoners, but if they genuinely support the guys that are incarcerated, then what they're going to do, what they should do, is they should leave the the rhetoric behind, okay? The guys like Alex Jones, the, the, all that insightful nonsense, you know, 
they need to leave it behind. Like you just said, you can't set out the set. You can't go out to set yourself or prove yourself right. You got to prove yourself wrong. Now, me, I very seldom ever watch things like Fox News, even being a, a, a right winger, so to speak. You know, I very seldom watch Fox News. I don't listen to Alex Jones. I don't listen to Pete Santilli. I actually spend most of my time listening to, you know, more center left wing type stuff because I want to see what is being said over there. And that's where you get your information from, okay? I don't need to listen to people that agree with me. I don't need to listen to people that are going to sit there and all they're going to do is parrot what I'm already thinking. I mean, it's a waste of time. Go listen to what somebody else has got to say, you know? But I think a lot of what they got to do is they just need to calm down and think to themselves, is this helping our guys inside? Okay, I'll revert back to... Uh, Ryan Payne's fiance's post. You know, she put it out there. I mean, it was a it was a, a polite post. You know, it was a very respectful post, and she's just trying to tell everybody, listen, from what the lawyers are saying, you know, and showing me, they're using these posts against our guys, in which the government's already disclosed that that they're using these posts. <clears throat> and of course, what do you get? You know, you get some people in there going, okay, you know, I understand, and in a form of agreeance. And then you get one of the Bundy family, and they're going, oh, we got our first not right. Uh, my God, you just don't get it, do you? You know, and that's what they got to do. They got to look at a lot of the stuff, and they need to start looking at who they're following and who's posting and what they're saying. And they need to honestly ask themselves, is this beneficial to what is going on here? Because a lot of it, I don't see where it is. I really don't. I see a lot of these posts, and I sit there and, sit there and think to myself, either you're, you're trying to <clears throat> bury these guys further, or you don't have the brains that God gave a goose. Not sure which one it is most of the time. But people do need to stop and think about what they're doing. You know, and you're going to have the ones that are going to say, well, we've got the First Amendment. You, you're right. You do got the First Amendment. But when you're exercising your First Amendment, the government is taking that, and putting weight more on these guys here, and that's what they don't get. Like with the like the when they were in Nevada court back uh, last month, mid-April, you know, there were people on the Bundy side that were making a joke out of, you know, that they were sitting there and, and hooting and hollering in the courtroom. And those guys, it took them longer to get back to jail. They missed dinner that night. You know, this is a game that you got to play. Quite frankly. You're stuck in the middle. They're stuck in the middle of it, you know. So, yeah, there's a direct relation between their, you know, their responses and their behavior in that court to what happened to those guys. Right. And people need to stop and think about all that. You know, people need to stop the. You know, if they're following somebody on Facebook that all they're, you know, that all they're talking about <clears throat> is this tyrannical government, you know, and, and jackbooted, plug yourself from that. Take a break and look at things. You know, there's a lot of things wrong. I'm not, I'm not going to say there's not. There's a lot of stuff wrong. There's a lot of corruption. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be fixed. But this isn't 1939 Nazi Germany. And that's what these yeah. people want to portray that as. Exactly. The the tyranny, the tyranny. Okay, I am 
well on the record, you know, and for any of the feds that have been on my show, okay, and that are my friends that I go to for whatever I go to for, um, they know this about me, and for whatever reason, they still have a semblance of respect to me, and I can go to them, or they come on the show, or whatever, I, you know, whatever. I am as, quote-unquote, anti-government as they come. I, I understand the problems. I'm well on the record for nearly two freaking decades, okay? Search my name. I am well on the record for the things that this government does that is not in our best interest. The, the government is not our friends in the sense of that, oh, everything the FDA says is okay is okay. Everything the CDC, CDC says is, is the law. Every, I mean, it doesn't work that way, people. We have to participate in the process. And that is what really a lot of what Mark and I and Melvin Lee and I and uh, Lewis Arthur and I and others have talked about on the show is about participating in the process. Okay, that is where you start. Uh, suddenly and arbitrarily putting out a redressive grievance and then a few days later bringing out your weapons, that is not how the process works. That is not what the founding fathers, as you also love to misquote, say. There are things that we need to do. There is a certain chain of events that needs to happen. It's it's really crazy to me how that is so lost now in this message, and and I cannot believe how lost I used to be in that minutia. And for whatever reason, I can now be where I am and, and look outside and say, what the hell was I thinking? And at the same time, try to sit there and on paper say, okay, well, I, I understand where that's coming from and that's coming from and that's coming from, so I need to talk about those things. I need to explain that to people. I need them to understand. I don't care where they come from. I don't care what their beliefs are because what I've learned in my whole journey through the before, during, and after being a part of these things was that it really boiled down to understanding and that is what you and I have been doing together for a while now on the show. And that is showing that two people from mostly opposite realms of something can find very logical, not just the common sense logical, but the factual logical, middle ground and understanding of one another as two human beings. And I think that that is the biggest thing that has been lost because of technology and the Internet and how we go about everything now. So you brought up Ryan Payne's girlfriend and what she posted. And although I agree with what she posted, and although I I have to say I'm surprised that they're only coming to this realization now as I have been attacked mercilessly for saying those same things for months on end. And you, since you started saying them. And Melvin Lee, since he started saying them. And Lewis Arthur, or Arthur, since he started saying them. And everybody else, Les Zates at the Oregonian, anybody that speaks real facts, they're shut down, they're attacked, they're doxxed, they're lambasted, all these things. And all these people that have real logic to them, that their mental health is not gone, that they're not so deep involved into cults and the cult mindset, 
they're they're coming to terms with this between the uh, discovery about the Koch brothers and the discovery about X, Y, and Z. People are now starting like, oh, and guess what's going to happen, Mark? This is, you know, and I said this about halfway through the show, but let me, like, nail it home as we're leading into the close here. Most of the people that not only participated but also support this that has transpired at Bundy Ranch and Ormalier are literally on the opposite end of this issue and they do not realize it because they don't know the backdoor smoke and mirror crap going on with Koch Brothers cows and all that other stuff. So who incited Ammon Bundy to get back to my point? That's cows. That's Michelle Fiore. Michelle Fiore, at Vote Fiore on Twitter. Michelle Fiore, please, if you're listening, vote it out and you can quote me, needs to go to jail. Matt Shea in Washington State needs to go to jail. These people got to go to jail, Mark. These other people are in jail, and yes, they've done things wrong. I'm not excusing what they've done. But if we were looking at a situation from the past and, and, and how the, the populace and authorities view cults, okay, if we look at it like that, then they would say this is no different than Jim fucking Jones. And that's the way it is. It's not. Well, there, if you look at cows, not one of them. You know, take like with Anthony Bosworth. Anthony Bosworth is, is just, that one right there kind of boggles my mind. <clears throat> you know, not only was Anthony at the refuge, he was actually a, I mean, self-professed, and I mean, it came out from cows. You know, he was sent down there to be in charge of security, okay? Um, Anthony Bosworth, I mean, his 14-year-old daughter is running around down there with a weapon on her hip, concealed weapon. There again, they're residents of the state of Washington. They're in the state of Oregon. A little bit of a legality issue right there. But they're sovereign citizens, so they pretty much just do whatever whatever they feel like doing. No indictments, none. You know, um, you, but you want to talk about inciting people. The next one that's going to be inciting people is Gavin Syme. You know, Gavin Syme is a very unique character. I mean, first of all, <clears throat> yeah, I do believe that, that the boy needs a Big Mac and a walk in the sun, get some rays, you know. Um, I mean, he's you know, needs a Big Mac or four because he is slightly anorexic. Uh, but if you watch his videos, I mean, holy shit, I mean, just the nonsense. You know, he put out a video the other day, that, oh, they're denying my Second Amendment rights because they won't let me buy a gun in the store. Well, he doesn't get into talking about, for the most part, that's actually state laws. You know, myself, when I was a New York resident, I bought a precision rifle from a Walmart in Georgia. Why are you being denied? But I wasn't. You know, I bought a handgun. Now, there again, you got to bear in mind, these are state laws. A lot of these are state laws. The feds actually, I don't believe, have any laws saying if you're a resident of this state, you can you can or can't buy weapons from that state. That's up to the states. You know, with New York, <clears throat> with New York having such tough handgun laws, and yes, I did have, an, I do have, well, I did have an unrestricted carry permit for the state of New York. Okay, I purchased a rifle, physically walked out of the store with it in the state of Georgia. Now I bought a handgun physically in the state of Ohio, ran the next check, the FBI next check, the background check, in the state of Ohio, I was approved, but 
that gun store, because of New York state laws, could not hand me the handgun across the counter. They had to ship it to a dealer in New York, and then it had to be transferred to me. So he goes on the, the, this big kick about, you know, his Second Amendment rights are being violated, you know, <clears throat> but <clears throat> they're really not because he doesn't actually tell you what state he's in, what state he resides in. He doesn't tell you about it. He could have been standing in California for all you know. So he puts on a lot of bullshit rhetoric, okay, <clears throat> with the whole thing with the Final Four. That's the, the only kind of you know, rhetoric. That's the only kind of know, rhetoric, well, Mark, yeah. is bullshit rhetoric. You know, but the final four of the refuge, you know, he's trying to talk them out of there, you know, trying to get everything to stand down, avoid that bloodbath. Yeah, for Jake Ryan, he's trying to get everybody up there to stand up and do this and do that. Well, make up your damn mind, you squirrely little prick. Do you want people to stand up or do you want people to be rational? Because you can't have it both damn ways. But he won't do that. Like I said, stand up here, stand down there. Make up your mind. He'll be the next one. All he's got to do is find a few more of these paranoid people that honestly believe that the government's out to get them on every damn thing they do. And there you go. Um, Mark, we are winding out of time. So um, I know we're going to do this again. Uh, I, I feel like I suddenly have a show that is only about this stuff. <laughs> I keep trying to sneak in other shows along the way. Um, Mark McConnell, thank you very, 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 very much uh, for joining me again on the show. I'm going to start wrapping up the show. I have a message for uh, Melina here to respond to her question uh, as I close out, but um, I appreciate you big time, dude. Thank you for letting me come on here again, and thank all your listeners and the girls in the chat rooms. Hello, the girls, not the boys. Well, I'm talking about Laura and Sue. You got to give Laura and Sue credit because they do oh. a phenomenal job. But yes, all of the they listeners, you know, the listeners that are listening to us live and in the chat room, I I do appreciate them being in there. <laughs> um, all right, Mark. Uh, we'll probably be back next week with Mark. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna start closing out the show, but real quickly, as I literally am down to just a couple minutes, uh, Melina. Uh, yes, to answer your question, I played that clip of, of Mo of, talking about Alex Jones, and I, I thought that I explained it, but let me explain this to anybody that missed this. Uh, I'm sure she's not the only one. Uh, I'm not belittling her not getting it. It's about the utter belief. It's about the utter belief in that message that Alex Jones has been putting out that everybody believed in or believes in, all right, but yet when it comes down to it and he pulled back and the Oath Keepers pulled back and all these people, the Hammonds, pulled back and didn't believe, who's going to start asking why in their support of this? Because it's not about the person that keeps getting attacked over and over and over. It's about their actual message, their message that is untrue, their message that is only partial truth here and there and then embellished so bad or molested so bad they, they are no longer truth in any way. Um, I really, really have to admit that I haven't spent this much time working this closely on something with one single person, a singular person in a long time. What's great about having Mark along is he contributes. Um, not only bringing something of value to the table for all of you, which matters greatly to me, but also bring something of value to me, his honesty. Uh, he's been incredibly open with me. 
He's let me ask him some of the most asinine things and some of the most touchy things and some things that many people might not ask because they'd be afraid that maybe somebody's going to incriminate themselves or whatever. Mark has been so giving and open of his time for me, and I think that that parlays a little bit into what I said early on at the opening of the show is that Mark knows I don't need him for the show. Um, He wants to be a part of what I am doing, and I like that, and that makes me want to be a part of what he is doing because we're finding common ground, not for us, but for all of you. And um, I like the opportunity that he's given me to allow you to see him for who he really is, the good, the bad, and the ugly, um, because we all have that. We all have that. So if you missed anything tonight, the archives should be ready within the hour. If you missed any of the other shows, the archives are there. Thank you so much for everything that uh, you participate in with me on social media, with the show um, and the website and stuff. I appreciate all of you very, very much, as I, as I know Mark does and all my guests do. Uh, next week I'll be back again on Wednesday, same time. Also next week is my special series every first Thursday, which is Sickness and Silence Without Childhood Sexual Abuse. I hope you catch both shows, and I'm probably going to try to squeak in at least one or, more, one or two shows in between now and then. Have a great night, and I'll be back soon.